0: Share with me, spiritually. Have you ever had the feeling of extreme worry or tension before you press send or submit when you reply to an email or sending certain documents? Perhaps it's just me, but for example, when I was in university, when I have to write an email to reply to professor, After I drafted the email, when I press send, I always worry that I make certain mistakes or wrong grandma when I write this email. So I'm very anxious about pressing the send button and setting it off, as I feel like I definitely have had made some mistakes and I overlooked it. And at the same time when I'm at work. When I have to reply to emails or message with my colleagues, I always feel like I made certain mistakes without seeing it when I send it off it's a very scary feeling I worry about making mistakes because I'm a very careless person I always have many typos or forgot something when I first drafted an email or when I first replied to a message so I want to make sure all the message I send is correct and clean so I don't appear to be like a careless person but then it also puts me into great pressure every time when I try to press the send or submit button perhaps you think it's a very good quality because it means that I'm very careful but then at the same time because I know that I'm a very careless person I have to be extra careful when I try to send off certain things because I know myself I'm very impatient and my mind is very fixated on being efficient and getting things done. So I have to be extra careful when I try to finish things efficiently. Perhaps it also comes from my lawyer background. Having the lawyer training, I learned to be attentive to details because this is the basic requirement for any professional occupation and especially for lawyers and law students. But at the same time, I feel very, very stressful every time when I have to make this assessment of my carelessness. And every time I commit to this send or submit button, it almost gives me a heart attack and I feel extremely anxious every time I submit a document. This resulted in me sitting in front of the same email in front of the computer for several minutes to make sure I didn't write anything wrong before sending it off. But I'm afraid this is not normal. Who would sit in front of the email for several minutes when it's just a very trivial matter? And sending an email shouldn't give me so much mental burden, right? It shouldn't stress me off because this is not my main task and my job. Apart from this immense stress of sending or submitting documents, I also catch myself in a pattern of having lack of confidence in my so-called old self or what I did in the past. For example, when I'm checking all the completed tasks, I always thought that I have missed something or did something wrong, which also gives me a heart attack when I'm checking things then I end up in the rabbit hole of digging down and keep checking all the things I did before to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. But then it's always a false alarm and I end up making sure and confirming that I actually did nothing wrong and I find it very troublesome and worrying that I always have no confidence in whatever I did in the past and I thought that I did things wrong. I can't help but wonder whether this is something that a junior person would always do. Because this is unhealthy, I should have had more confidence in whatever I did. Another problem I faced at work was that when a message pops up, I usually get into this fight mode and I instantly got really stressed. My stress level went up quickly and worry about what the message has to say. Perhaps this is very common for junior people because we are often very worried that we did something wrong or we had to do something quickly. But now, it gets better as I ease into this job and feel more comfortable with what I do. This got me thinking. I feel like all these stress-related issues are closely related to the culture of the team. For example, if you work in a company that has very poor culture, with bad bosses, and very annoying or very stressful colleagues, which means the culture is very bad, you probably are always very tense because you're worried that if you do something wrong, you will get punished severely, or it will result in very bad consequences. But then if you have a good colleague, or your team is generally very supportive and understanding, You probably would not worry about it if you missed a message and you know that it wouldn't be a very serious problem. That's why I feel like the culture is super important to an employee and it's even more important than the type of work we do. Even if we're not doing the type of work we're most passionate about, if we have a nice team with good colleagues and nice people we probably would stay at the job and tolerate the work we do because we just love the people, we love our colleagues. However, even if we're doing some sort of work we're interested in, if the people, if the colleagues are not so great, we probably would quit because we can't stand working with these people. That's why with working from home being more popular these days, it is a genuine concern that the firm culture, the company culture would be in danger because working from home means that we can no longer see our colleagues so often and those important values such as cohesion and collaboration would probably be affected. That's why all the HR is trying to do something about it and try to foster cohesion and collaboration again, even working from home. And that actually has also an impact to new joiners to the company. During pandemic and working from home, it is very difficult for them to feel the firm culture or the company culture because they're not present in the company. They have to communicate online and you don't really interact with people. So how would you know what the people are like? It's very difficult to feel the warmth of a human when you're just communicating in text. Most of the time, you're probably in front of your computer alone at home typing away without interacting with anyone. However, even worse, actually job seekers are also unable to learn about the so-called company culture until they join the company. They can't decide during the application process whether this company culture would fit them. On the other hand, Employers can sort of assess this during the interview because they would usually invite their current employees to assess this candidate. But the other way around doesn't work. Interviewees couldn't really tell from the short interview whether this is what they would enjoy. They may try to gauge from the conversation they had with the interviewers, but the information they get would probably be very limited as well. So it's kind of sad because you know, as I've said, this is one of the most important factor to whether this job is favorable or suitable to them. And actually, the situation continues on the job. It is actually quite common for people to come and go nowadays to bargain for a better salary at their job. Because if a person stays at their company, it is unlikely that they are going to get a raise in the near future that is comparable to when they jump outside for a new job. It actually creates a very bad culture amongst companies, because if we have a good bunch of colleagues at one company, but they eventually leave one by one because of the salary problem, you will find that this company will no longer be consist of these good, hardworking or cooperative employees because they will eventually leave one by one. And vice versa. For example, bad colleagues or bad employees might join one by one and eventually overtake this company, which originally consists of good employees. As we all know, firm culture or company culture is definitely made out of the people there. It's never stagnant because it's greatly influenced by the employees. Although leadership and policies within the company might play a certain role in determining the company culture, is ultimately not the determining factor. This is made of people. The company is determined by its employees. So if bad people come and good people go, eventually a good company might turn into a bad company with bad culture. That's why we can see that there are so many perks and benefits nowadays within different multinational companies in order for the HR to retain these good employees. They want to make sure they're attracting the good people to stay. For example, we see they are trying to foster a very open and transparent culture within the company with a more flat structure. We also see more and more emphasis on work-life balance and the mental and physical well-being of employees with different training schemes and also support to them so that they can be happy and productive. Hence, as I've mentioned, Human resources has played a more and more important role in the operations and the business of a company because employers want good employees to stay and it's actually very, very difficult these days. Speaking of which, it reminds me of the recent phenomenon, the Great Resignation. It describes the phenomenon that people are leaving their job during the pandemic and returning to a more suburb area and try to seek for work-life balance within a job that's less demanding. While this great resignation generally involves Millennials, we see that Gen Zs and Millennials are both quite concerned. This is a very important insight as we see that more and more of the working force will not just care about their salary, their job, but also work-life balance and personal growth. They no longer have the same value as the older generations, where job and career and money prioritize everything, they realize there's more to life. And this mindset has been more and more prevalent amongst the working force, the working population. For example, people no longer see this one job they acquired when they first graduate as their ultimate job, as their lifelong stay. People are starting to see this as a stepping stone for them to go to another job position or to acquire the skills they want to start their own company. For example, doctors hoping to open their own clinics one day and consultants hoping to start their own consultancy firm. And there's also people from the international investment banks who try to get enough financial knowledge and skills so they can start their own company in the future, you know, doing the startup. And this interesting phenomenon also got me thinking, why do we have to start at a job that we don't really enjoy in order to acquire these so-called essential skills in the workplace? Yes, that's a very brutal truth. No one can tell us and teach us all the essential skills and knowledge in the workplace. For instance, the technical skills of, let's say, doctors and lawyers, they probably won't acquire all the essential skills at their degree because what they learn at school is probably different from the actual day-to-day operations in the hospital and the court. Even certain specialized skills such as coding and graphic design or UX UI design are probably different when they're applied at their job. You can only learn so much in universities and bootcamps, so it's really an unfortunate and unrealistic expectation that we want to acquire all the skills during the learning phase because it's practically impossible. And then we have the soft skills which is a lot more interesting we see that people actually struggle with their soft skills the most in the workplace soft skills relating to communication and problem solving you know these skills kind of sound quite bs when you hear them during certain courses advertised online or you know those self-help improvement books You know, actually, people don't really care about these so-called skills back in the days. We are either born with it or we learn it along the way. There's no need to learn something like communication skills, right? To a certain extent, it's true because if you think about it, these so-called skills are ultimately the personalities of a person and everyone has their own style of tackling things, handling relationships and communication that's what makes people different, that's what makes people unique if we truly want diversity and we truly want different talents in the company we have to accept that people have different strengths and weaknesses However, we have to admit that there's some sort of better solution to a problem. People who are with better problem-solving skills and communication skills. And these soft skills would eventually contribute to a better result. However, of course, these soft skills are not taught in university. But it's actually quite ironic, right? Because university is supposed to prepare ourselves to this workplace, to the future career, and university is supposed to help us employed. However, it's not teaching us the very essential and important skills to increase our employability. And that's where a person's class and family backgrounds and socio-economic upbringing plays a huge role. Parents who are successful professionals and well educated probably are able to provide some sort of guidance to their children regarding how to navigate in a more sophisticated workplace and demanding scenarios. And people with elder brothers and sisters will also receive similar guidance. For example, if you come from a lawyer's family where you're surrounded by a bunch of lawyers in your family, they will probably teach you the protocol in a law firms and you will understand the expected social etiquette. So you will probably blend in very quickly and be able to integrate into part of this law firm. However, if you're born in a blue-collar family or a family where no one has ever gone to university, even if you're smart and accepted into Harvard. No one will ever teach you how to behave professionally in the workplace, and there is no insider information, tips and tricks that would help you ace your interview or during your internship and stuff. Obviously, this kind of struggle would add to the disadvantage that's originally come from the financial status of the family. It affects the perception of others towards this candidate which in turn affect his or her chances of success. Indeed, it is very frustrating to see so many unfair factors and the workplace not being a level playing field for everyone. However, we also have to admit that it is very difficult to change these situations as a small individual and a nobody essentially in this big corporate world and society at large. In fact, Even people in a senior job position or in the management probably can't change it as well. Many people are very open about this frustration on LinkedIn. They say that they hope to change the corporate culture one day by climbing the corporate ladder so they can be in a more powerful position to bring about changes. But unfortunately, they also still find it very difficult and their efforts are in vain. But to end on a good note, I think it's still very important for us to understand and educate ourselves regarding these frustrations and unfair phenomena. Because while we do our part, we might eventually bring about this revolution that's gradually changing this unfairness. And that's about it from me. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Bye!